Hello, and welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, where today we will be interviewing Brother Chris Crota of the Grand Lodge Technology Committee of the Grand Lodge of British Columbia and the Yukon. Ladies and gentlemen, brethren all, welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, a casual conversation around Freemasonry. First, it's important to note that our thoughts and opinions are our own and do not reflect those of our Grand Lodge or respective craft or concordant bodies. Please connect with us and ask questions via our website at theworkingtoolspodcast.com. I'm Very Worshipable Brother Matthew Apple, and with Very Worshipable Brother David Colbeth, we're Masons here in Washington State. And we have with us Right Worshipable Brother Trevor McCune and Worshipable Brother Stephen Chung, who are the Canadian half of our uh, podcast host team. And our special guest this evening is Brother Christopher Crota, who is on the Grand Lodge Technology Committee for the Most Worshipful Grand Lodge of Ancient Free and Accepted Masons of British Columbia and the Yukon. And uh, Brother Chris, thank you very much for, for coming out and being on our show yet again. Well, thanks for having me, Matt. So uh, this evening, uh, Brother Chris has a brief presentation on the Zoom etiquette for official meetings that uh, British Columbia will be having here. Uh, I guess you've already had one and there'll be more, more coming. Right. Um, and then we're going to have a discussion sort of of Zoom etiquette in general for Masonic meetings. So I guess with that, Brother Chris, take it away. Thank you. Uh, well, the first little bit of background, uh, I actually do uh, tech support and hosting of Zoom meetings professionally. Um, and so this, this aspect is not something that's, uh, that's, uh, that's foreign to, uh, to myself and my skill set. We've got a very strong technology committee in British Columbia and Yukon. Uh, uh, Brother Stephen Chung is, is one, of the, one of the members of it. And um, uh, we have been very active in supporting the uh, Zoom um, uh, meetings that have been going on within within the uh, within the jurisdiction. Um, we had the Grand Master on in a recent uh, podcast, and one of the things that he mentioned was when we first got it started with these Zoom meetings, it was just a bunch of guys hanging around in jeans, getting together, and really coming coming together to to experience some of the fellowship. And that was great for for uh, just to get people still engaged and still involved. But we need to start moving forward. If we don't start moving forward and we're able to do more of our business, whatever that looks like on the, over this technology, we're basically going to be a snapshot of 2019. There's a whole lot of lodges that are that are in this boat right now. So one of the of our grandmaster here in British Columbia and Yukon, uh, uh, most worshipful brother Don McKenzie, one of the things that he has been wanting to do is move forward with uh, his official visits and with the district deputy grandmasters' visits to the to the districts and to the lodges um, uh, through Zoom technology. And what that does is it really gives it a much more formal. Um, um, it, it makes these meetings a lot more formal, and with that comes a certain amount of, of uh, etiquette that's necessary. The other thing it's doing is these meetings are getting very, very large. Um, um, our, our first uh, official visit uh, probably would have gone up to 150 attendees. Uh, as it was, it went to 100 <clears throat> 
because I forgot to click the button to extend it to over 100 people. But that's another story. <laughs> anyway, uh, the next one will, uh, the next one, which is coming up on Tuesday, the, uh, February 23rd, 2021, will definitely be well over 100. So we also need to uh, be able to manage some of these much larger meetings. And um, I've got some tools that we're going to be using here. So let me go ahead and show you what we have. Okay, Zoom etiquette for the official uh, the official visits. The first thing is we set a meet a start time for our meetings of half an hour before the actual meeting begins. So if it's a seven p.m. start time, we'll we'll have people come on at six thirty. Now, this is really important because, of course, the Grand Director of Ceremonies needs to get the suite together, and uh, we also need to make sure that all of the brethren are uh, properly clothed, but also properly named. So what we do experience with a meeting of, say, 200 people or something like that is a certain portion of them will come on, and if they just click the link instead of putting the meeting code and the passcode in, if they just click the link that's provided, which is how most people get into these meetings, it takes them right in and it doesn't give them the option to change their name. So we get a lot of Mary's iPhone or you know John's iPad as instead of the actual brethren's uh, the actual brethren's name so if uh, by starting the meeting half an hour early on the larger meetings it gives us an opportunity to um, um, to um, work with some of those brethren and get their names changed dress code is formal so tux white shirt dark tie uh, for the lodge officers, district lodge officers, and for the lodge officers of the of the of the um, um, of lodges, dark suit, white shirt, dark tie for everybody else. Um, I think it's really important as we start doing more business over this technology that we really start making this much more like a regular meeting much more feel like a, a, a regular meeting uh, so that so that we can move forward. Uh, we make sure that we're in a quiet room where nobody is within earshot. Now at this point these are open meetings, right? So if there is somebody in the background, it's not the end of the world. But again, we're really making an effort here to move towards regularity of our meetings, to move towards a situation where we can we can at least feel like it's a tiled environment. So we call that as, uh, is, uh, please, uh, self-tile your environment. Um, we've all done that in this meeting here this evening, right? So that's a good example. Um, I suggest using a USB headset if one is available, um, and that just improves the audio quality. Make sure your internet connection is, is good. I always recommend being in the same room as your router or in the next room where it gets problem where you can run into problems with the Wi-Fi connection is if you go to a nice quiet room, but it's on a different floor than your router is. So that's uh, that's always a, a concern. Update your Zoom software on your computer. There's a lot of people that that have um, uh, that don't like to update different various um, applications on their computer. And if you're one of those people, that's great. But always, always, always update your Zoom. Not only does it give you better um, 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 features, but it also uh, fixes bugs with and um, uh, gives you additional security. 
with the Zoom application. So it's important to keep your Zoom um, uh, up to date. Video backgrounds should be tasteful, not distracting. Um, and uh, the one that that um, um, is behind this um, presentation, for example, is one that was developed to be used as a background as well. Um, I don't currently use backgrounds because I don't have a green screen or a solid color behind me, <laughs> but uh, that also helps out a great deal. Is if you uh, if you if you put up a uh, a sheet or a green screen behind yourself if you're going to use backgrounds. Do not record the meeting through the Zoom application. Uh, if you record on the cloud, that's a premium service, and the account owner could be charged extra. I always recommend that if you're going to record the meeting to use a separate recording device. This is probably the most important one. This last point is the most important one and the one that we're, we're for in order to make our larger meetings of, of attendance of 100 people or more work smoothly for us. The, the main one that we need to uh, work through is the naming convention or renaming uh, people renaming themselves in general. The naming convention we'd like people to use is uh, rank, first name, last name, and then lodge number. And I've got one more slide. And the, the last slide is a, is a, uh, a little bit of an instruction on uh, for, for brethren on how to rename themselves once they've come into Zoom. So I've got a screenshot here. That's not actually me uh, frozen uh, with a bad internet connection. It's just a screenshot I took. <laughs> uh, and basically what I'd like to point out is what you do is uh, when you come into a Zoom meeting, if you realize that your name is wrong, up by your webcam, not anybody else's webcam, but your webcam, there's a little box with three dots. If you click on that little box with three dots, a drop-down menu appears. And as you can see, one of the options that you can have is rename. This option will actually give you the ability to rename yourself. And this is obviously the, the, the best way if you just click on the link and then enter the meeting and the name that, is, that, that appears below, you, uh, below your webcam is not what it needs to be. This is the easiest way to rename yourself. There's a number of other ways that people can uh, rename themselves. But uh, that is, uh, uh, I would say that, that for people to rename themselves in a meeting, that's probably the simplest. Because all you really need to do is go find your webcam, wherever it appeared in the meeting, click on those little three dots, go down to rename, and then uh, uh, rename, rename yourself as, as necessary. And although we'd like to have the uh, rank, first name, last name, and uh, lodge number, if we just have the first name and last name instead of, you know, Fred's iPhone, <laughs> that would be, that's, uh, that's extremely helpful. Just, uh, just having that right there. So um, yeah, that's really uh, all I had. Any, uh, I, I really appreciate the idea of the early start time. I, I think in general, if we think about meetings, uh, one of my mentors would always say, well, if you're not a half hour early, you're late. You know, seven, if, you're, if you're there at seven o'clock on the meeting start, you're already late. And so we, you know, if, if we all showed up at seven o'clock to the front door of the building and expected the meeting to start, that wouldn't happen either. So you know, there are people there potentially an hour, hour and a half early, getting things ready, setting up, just having a cup of coffee, whatever. 
and people expect to just be able to sit down and click at 659 and be able to get into the meeting. And so a yeah, half hour or more potentially is, uh, especially for an important meeting, uh, maybe a district event might even be longer. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and um, um, what I would normally recommend for people who are hosting these meetings uh, and the larger meetings, of course, you need a little bit more lead time is um, I recommend coming on for the host to start the meeting 45 minutes early and then the brethren to come on to come on half an hour, half an hour early. As you mentioned, David, if it was an in-person meeting, you wouldn't show up 30 seconds before that meeting and expect to have, you know, be able to sign the porch book and find your, and find your place, right? You would show up 15 minutes, 20 minutes, half an hour ahead of time. Uh, so what we're trying to do is figure out some sort of a system where brethren can come in and do this and have some sort of a little bit of social time which is still a bit of a challenge with a Zoom meeting with 150 of your closest friends on it. So we're still, we're still trying to work, work around, around that. You know, our, our local uh, Rainbow Assembly, my daughter's a member of that, and she was invited to an installation and they had where they all logged in an hour early and they were got set up, ready to go five, 10, 15 minutes. It was pretty fast. They were all ready. They had practiced, of course. Mm-hmm. And so for that half hour, 45 minutes before the event, they could go and go away or whatever, just leave their computer running, mm-hmm. turn off their video, turn off their sound if they wanted to. But it was, it was planned to be part of that. So yeah, planning that early start time and planning ahead of time, having a practice if it's an important event, mm-hmm. uh, having a simulation to make sure everything works, turning your video on and off, turning your audio on and off, making sure you've got good quality audio one of the things I've, I've learned in my time here is kind of being the, the default tech guy. Uh, I've watched a lot of videos, a lot of YouTube university on, about video and audio and all that. And, and over and over and over again, I've heard if your audio is good, people will still pay attention even if your video is bad. But if your audio is bad, you've lost your audience. So making sure you have some kind of good good audio system is really critical. And so I, I'm kind of the audio, not the audio czar here. <laughs> I always tell them, Hey, can you turn it up, turn it down, change it, whatever. But it's so critical. It's so critical. Lighting is another very important thing that uh, a lot of people don't realize. Um, and it's as simple as having a light behind the laptop mm-hmm. um, that you're using or the device that you're using so that it lights you up from behind the camera. Um, and <clears throat> unfortunately, some guys are not everybody has the ability to do that, depending on the device and where their little office is set up or their their quiet area where they can tile. But I know that it's also something that not a lot of people get told um, is about the lighting. So, you know, brethren, if you're listening to this, uh, one of those tips is to put a, a lamp behind your laptop or, or your camera. Absolutely. Lights your face up. The number one mistake I see with lighting is people say, well, gee, it's kind of dark in this room. I'll just open the window. Well, that window is probably behind you and you're now backlit. So that's probably the number one mistake I see. You probably want to close that window and turn on as many lights in the room as, uh, as, as, as possible. That's usually uh, the best the best way to go with lighting. There are a lot of very inexpensive uh, lighting options now, um, and luckily, it, with early on in the pandemic, yeah, I got the circle light going. Yeah, uh, luckily, uh, uh, early on in the pandemic, there was a uh, yeah, I've got one too. You can probably see the reflection in my glasses. But anyway, but uh, um, uh, early in the pandemic, a lot of this equipment was sold out. USB headsets, 
USB microphones, um, uh, circle lights. There were, there were, you couldn't find any of them for a couple of months, but um, uh, the supply has, has, uh, has come back on those. So they're, they're available again. Christopher, a moment ago, you commented uh, on how a whole bunch of people will come into a meeting and it's difficult to have individual conversations. Yes. I've read a number of papers recently. I haven't tried any of this software. Mm -hmm. We tend to use Zoom as our go-to. I've only had to deal with WebEx a couple of times and I can yeah. understand why we all prefer Zoom after using yeah. WebEx. Yeah. There are others, but there are others coming up the pike that will allow things like I could click on three or four of the pictures, our conversation would be louder and everyone else would drift back. Mm -hmm. Things what we're, like that. So our what we're looking, I don't know if what, they're out there yet or not, but there's- What we're looking at doing is um, um, possibly using breakout rooms. That's another option. Yeah, and breakout rooms uh, for some of the larger meetings to see if we can um, um, get some of the brethren together in smaller groups uh i don't know how we're uh how that's going to work quite yet uh but i have been researching it and the good news is that it doesn't look like we have a minimum for the number of people that we can put in those breakout rooms that's gonna that's going to i think the minimum is uh the the, the sorry the maximum per breakout room was something like 50 and you know you probably would want no more than twenty or thirty in, in in a given breakout room anyway. Otherwise, it starts getting difficult for everybody to communicate with each other. But what it does is it takes it and it takes it into its own little side meeting of these twenty or thirty brethren. I and suggest the maximum, like a decent committee, is eight. Yeah, that was going to get a little bit difficult with a meeting of 200 people in order to be able to manage breakout rooms uh, or, or to put people in breakout rooms in increments of eight or even 10, right? That's a lot of rooms because it takes a certain amount of time to assign everybody to those rooms. And then it takes a certain amount of time to assign everybody back to the main meeting. And those lag times are need to, we need to get those lag times down as quickly as possible. I've been involved in a couple of uh, conversations about um, the use of maybe uh, breakout rooms in some of these meetings we're going to have. And um, the common comment is that's no different than those six guys going to sit over by themselves in the, in the corner of the festive board and disassociate from everybody else. And there was a lot of discussion about that um, because you know, that's not the idea. The idea I, I know is to give them a form where they can communicate maybe a little quieter with less distraction or not as many people in there, but it still seems like that group that goes off to the corner in, in the festive board, right? It does. And um, um, there's not much to be done about that. Although all I have to say is that the only other option with this particular technology is to try to communicate with 150 people simultaneously. And that's just not reasonable. It's just not reasonable. So to um, um, section off some different various breakout rooms for some social time. And realistically, this is only going to be for brethren who come in um, um, early anyway. The people who are rolling in 15 minutes before before the meeting, if we say the meeting starts at, uh, at uh, 7 and you need to be on at 630 
and a bunch of people come on at 6.45, we're probably just going to leave them in the main meeting in order to be able to ex uh, expedite things anyway. You know, I've been impressed not only with Vancouver, British Columbia, and Yukon meetings that I've attended, but even some in Washington, other places that there's there's been a, a, a surgence of respectful quietness just before the meeting begins in many cases. And I think it's a tone that's set, of course, from the beginning and also the host, if they're control of the mute button. Uh, but I, Matt has said several times, and I, I steal this line until it's mine, that if, if, what, if what we come back to is not different than what we left, then we're in a bad position. You know, if the lodge isn't better than we came back to, I don't know about how your ritual or how your meetings begin, but many times our meetings, they're, they're quite, quite jovial. And then finally we kind of sit down and calm down, but then the guys still chitter chatter on the sidelines, even during ritual sometimes. And it's just, it annoys me as one of those grumpy past masters, <laughs> but maybe as a part of this zoom process, we'll learn that, Hey, there's a quiet contemplation that should occur prior to the opening of the meeting and the beginning of the meeting that that's the, and that when we talk about ritual, why it's so important, I don't mean to make this a ritual event, but our meeting is the ritual is so important because it's supposed to set the tone for you, the transition from the secular world to the Freemason world and the contemplation aspect of what Freemasonry is. And that's one of the key elements of what ritual is all about. And so having that quiet contemplation, which is rem, reminiscent of the time before your different different terms but the time before your degree <laughs> before your degree begins and then then the ritual begins and that transformation and then now you're in that lodge setting in that sacred setting of the lodge and so that i think it's important to have those the early start time all these things that just play together mm -hmm. it's really a combination of uh of uh of different various um um techniques that that uh, that we're using it is very helpful though that freemasons do tend to like to follow rules because i've hosted a lot of these meetings before and uh let's just say it's it's uh it, it has been more difficult to uh, wrangle other groups uh, but we're used to be heard to we are used to be herded like cats <laughs> I know we're getting kind of close to the end here, but you mentioned also about virtual backgrounds and Steve yes. has, you indicated that lighting is important. And I absolutely agree. Steve's done a very good job with his virtual backgrounds, but his lighting, his, his frontal lighting, face lighting is good enough that it separates himself from that virtual background where sometimes you get the ghost idea where somebody put his hand up or whatever and then now it's disappearing or it's kind of coming and going. And That's uh, more, that's more actually a, a, a function of your background. Believe it or not, the light, the, 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 the even lighting is extremely important, but the really the, the key to virtual backgrounds is putting up a backdrop behind you that's consistent lighting. You can see in my backdrop right here how I've got a, a dark red color over here and then a light color here. What ha happens if I put a background in? These are going to key differently. And when pe people's body parts disappear, it would be, for example, like it's going to key out really well in this bright part. But as soon as I move over to this dark part, then all of a sudden that portion of my shoulder is going to disappear. So if you the, 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 the bright front lighting coming from behind the camera is crucial. But what makes the most difference is putting up a backdrop. You could even put up a sheet as long as it's a consistent color behind you that doesn't have a pile of shadows on it <laughs> right a consistent color behind you for the program to go in and key out 
that's that's the the main thing for backgrounds. Pick your color that's not part of uh, your skin tone or uh, clothing. Yes, the color of the sheet cannot be of your skin tone or your clothing, Trevor. Absolutely, yeah, that's that's probably worse than not having a background. Green. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Although my skin is a little gray. <laughs> Yeah, early on, I, I once we started the show, I realized I'm going to need some space. And then all of a sudden, Zoom started, and and with the meetings and everything, we we're just constantly on Zoom. And so I thought, I've got to have a standard background. And I used to have just the frame of the cabinet behind me, and I put these little symbols up there just for fun. People ask about them all the time if I'm not on a Masonic uh, Zoom meeting, but but then I kind of sh- I saw again r- watching YouTube University, you can get a, you can learn a lot on YouTube, and they talked about having a contrasting color with some light enhancement. So I just have a light lamp sitting on the ground, not to give away all my secrets here, but it's a lamp sitting on the ground basically and a blue uh, curtain essentially. And so it, it blocks out the daylight if it's daylight. It's not now, but it would block out the daylight, but then it also gives a contrasting color and gives some depth to the space. I'm, I'm in a pretty small space. It's only about six by six. It's not really a big room. So those little elements help help with the video. Yeah, absolutely. The uh, backgrounds can be a challenge if the lighting isn't good or if the uh, key is uh, is is uh, the 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 method that the uh, Zoom uses to take the to add the background is 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 not good quality. Um, as a chroma keyer goes, Zoom does a, a pretty good job, uh, but at the same time, you you does require the necessary backdrop and uh, and lighting to make that to make that work. And it, I have seen situations where it can be uh, distracting, right? To have people talking to people and half their faces disappearing constantly. So, <laughs> uh, I know uh, I know that uh, a lot of people are going to appreciate the tips and tricks and and things that they've got off of this episode. And really want to thank you again, Chris, for making the time to come and do uh, your presentation for that. And um, you know, uh, uh, I think that everyone will have a benefit from it. You know, and thanks again. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, thank you very much. We we wish you a lot of success in your uh, your upcoming virtual meetings, and may, we may have to go to a few and learn learn to, for a few things down here. That's for sure. Uh, and with that, um, unless Trevor or David, do you have anything else to say? No? Brother Chris, do you have any any closing words for us? No, thanks for having me on. Uh, it's an important um, uh, topic, at, uh, very timely. So uh, I appreciate uh, that you guys do this this podcast and um, to uh, help get the information out. Great. Well, with that, um, Brother Christopher Croto, thank you very much for the Grand Lodge of British Columbia and the Yukon uh, Technology Committee. Thank you very much for being here today. And uh, on behalf of Stephen, Trevor, and, and David and myself, uh, we wish everybody a uh, good and safe and healthy time out there. Goodbye.